Southern Vanguard Radio. This is DJ John Doe. And to the left of me is my man, Eddie Meeks. You're here. What up? What up? What up? I'm so glad to see you, my brother. Yeah, man. Good to be here, man. Finally. Another lovely weekend in the A. Man. I mean, Friday was a little. Yeah, it was a little janky. A little little sketchy, but but it turned out to be okay. Man, I had a great weekend. Best weather ever. Whew, man. Stay like this. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, I don't think I've ever felt it so cool. Yeah. At the end of May in Atlanta in a long, long, long time. Exactly. It is impressive. What did you get into this weekend? Anything? Oh, man. Just kind of laying low, man, doing stuff around the house. Um, Countdown for the kids being out of school. Oh, can't this wait. is the last week. Oh, so, I can't wait. Yeah, we about to about to really switch up a whole lot of things. I heard uh, I heard you and DJ Pocket were getting uh, like kind of like your your um your uh, home improvement. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I spent a, a good little while <laughs> at Lowe's today, <laughs> looking so, at stuff uh, I don't need to be looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. it's it's that time of year. All you know? right, all right. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. All right, so before we get down to biz, um, if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast because you're a fan of the gentleman that we have on the phone with us tonight, uh, please know that we hit you in the head two times a week. Uh, that is, uh, if the interviewee shows up, yep. and uh, Meeks and I don't have some sort of you know life altering event um, that prevents us from doing so. Crisis free, you know. We 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 all have uh, uh, we all have kids. We all have uh, a wife. Mm. Uh, thank God we don't have wives, mm. multiple wives. I don't know how they do that. Yeah, let's let's. There's got to be yeah, a lot yeah. of dope involved. Why would you do that? Yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> so, uh, so so uh, so anywho, so on Tuesdays we got a mix show. Uh, you know, sixty to ninety minutes, of all the latest and greatest shit out, cut up. Uh, you know, scratching, mixing. You know, uh, uh, how a mix show should be. That's um, right. uh, and I popping shit, you know, yeah. do, doing whatever, just having a good time. That's right. And then on Thursdays, uh, we have an interview session. It could be, uh, an MC, it could be a DJ, it could be a producer. It could be a behind the scenes cat, like the one we have on the, on the phone with us tonight. Yeah. Uh, it, it's guaranteed to be a good time. So no doubt. if this is the first time you're listening, please go back and, uh, you know, do the math, do the science. We've got over 150 hours of content since January of 2015. Tons of epi- t- tons of mixed shows, tons of interviews. Uh, we did uh, J57 last week. We did Lore Finesse a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Ninth Scientist, DJ Skiz, DJ Eclipse. Uh, Bernadette Price was a couple of months ago. That one's still burning up. So, yeah. uh, so, so make sure you go back and check it. At Southern Vanguard on SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcasts. Mixcloud and Stitcher Radio. That's correct. All right. Everything. And with that, yeah. Peter Augustine from, well, I don't know. Do we say Culturama or do we say the Peter Augustine Agency? What do we I mean, say? You could, hey, you know, you can just say just how you did right there. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Yeah. What's Peter, up, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thank you. Just uh, grateful to be a part of. Uh, the growing podcast you guys yeah, are yeah yeah we're thank glad to have you for thank sure thank you thank you now, oh, thank now, you. now now peter we um uh we all know one another kind of indirectly or loosely from i guess our primary connection was through dj fisher if mm-hmm. if uh, memory serves correct yeah now now i was definitely familiar with eddie meek's material before uh, i think i met or linked with dj oh okay 
If right. I'm not mistaken, too, I think I did a review of Larger Than Life. Yes. The EP. Yes, oh, really? Did. Yes, you did. One of On the hiphopsite.com. Yeah, one of the better reviews that, ah, that we got for that project. For I did sure. not realize yeah. that. It was a great, yeah, great, great, uh, great record. I still have the vinyl to this day. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's yeah, dope. I reviewed Definitely. the vinyl. I actually reviewed the release as it was given to me as a vinyl. It wasn't a, a tape or a CD, mm-hmm. you know, as it usually was back then. I actually did the, the project review just off the wax. Yeah. So you would have wow, gotten that from um, probably from Mike Karen over at Sirius Entertainment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's ill. Yeah, man. Well, you so you remember that, Meeks? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that that had to be one of the first. I mean, because that was ninety five, five ninety six. I don't know. Yeah, it was the yeah. late nineties. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. I think is when I might have finally got my hands on it. Okay. Yeah. I mean that was early on hiphopsite.com yes, days, sir. right? Yeah. That's real. Yeah, that's was, real. Yeah, yes it was. That's real early. Mm-hmm. So uh it, well, wow, that we've we've already kind of sidetracked tremendously. So 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 so, so Peter for, so so for those that don't know who uh who you are, uh you've been um behind the scenes or what whatever you'd like to call it for over gosh, what two decades at least now, right? Yes. Can yeah, you um? So, yeah. yeah. Can, can you can you give folks kind of a a level set of who you are, what you've been doing? I don't know if you want to start at the beginning or, or kind of start like with what you're doing right now because you're doing a lot yeah. of you're doing a lot of really cool, tremendous stuff right now that that was um that's you know really exciting that I want to make sure we get to as well. So, yeah, maybe I'll just. For right now, like just to have some more present day context for yeah. what I'm doing is That'd be great. Uh, well I run a booking agency, it's called the Augustin Agency, so I basically run that uh by myself. So that's like uh essentially a like a full service North American touring agency for uh you know, it's like a boutique company. I have about twenty to thirty sort of clients of different genres. You know, my my foundation and my background is hip hop. But uh, for this company, it's a mix of of uh, straightforward hip hop acts, some DJs, some rock stuff, some more experimental stuff. Uh, so it's kind of um, just a mix of everything. So that's kind of where I'm at now, like uh, working as a booking agent, and I also manage uh, and work as the agent to Dame Funk. So that's a big part of my working day too. I don't really. Uh, uh, um, manage many other people so we do a whole lot of other stuff outside of my day-to-day touring thing which is what i've been doing for the last maybe five six years uh uh, basically in the touring working on the touring uh side of the industry right okay so um but 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 this agency specifically is fairly new correct yeah, absolutely. I, I basically broke out on my own uh, uh, this past fall. So it's really not even a year old, you know, and uh, I've been working at a, a, uh, an agency previous to that, and I've been at another one before that. So um, so this is really a new thing, kind of going back to my uh, my independent days of running my, my label, my uh, sort of long dormant hip-hop uh, label female fun records so oh, a few okay. people yeah. out there may still remember that label um and add a couple other sub labels under that but that was another similar scenario i was just kind of working from home uh, running it completely independently um for the most part and um 
and yeah, so I'm sort of revisiting that. Like it's almost come full circle to to those days where it's just it's good to kind of just be back in a self sufficient, independently minded uh, music um, zone. I hey, guess, Peter. You will. You yeah. uh you breaking out was that out of uh, necessity? You breaking out on your own was it out of necessity or was it something you always wanted to do or is it kind of like you just kind of mentioned just uh just getting back to that that style of uh handling your day to day? Right. Well, yes. I mean, it was uh, it was kind of a combination of the two. You mm-hmm. know, actually, uh, this past July I had a, a a live donor kidney transplant. I had kidney failure uh, two years ago, Man. and um. I was able to very, uh, by the grace of God and, and my brother, uh, you know, he donated uh, his kidney so that I could oh, wow. have one. And, and actually, it's a very amazing story on it in itself, uh, where we were in a blood type match. He donated his to another man, and, and mine came from another person. In this kind of somewhat new uh, um, technique, what's called a paired kidney donor exchange program. So I was in a, a chain of eighteen different people all donating to one another, all who weren't blood type matches. Now I was, I was at another agency at the time, but you know, a transplant, if you know anyone that's ever gone through one, I mean, it's a, I was just about a, to say, I haven't, haven't experienced that with my father-in-law um, from, from the beginning of, of that journey he went through. I, I, I know what you've gone through. Like, wow. Like, Amazing. were you a dialysis patient? I was for for twelve months. I was on dialysis. That yeah. is a uh, that's no small feat. <laughs> so, 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 Peter, while, while we're here, can I mean, can you can you kind of explain a little bit how you um how you I don't, how your kidneys failed on you? Like, can you give us a little bit more background about that story? Because we I wanted to get into that, but yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of hard not to just sort of. Yeah, jump into that one a little bit too, right. because it is a big part of uh, why I'm doing my work I'm doing now, or where I'm at in my life right now. Obviously, and right. uh, and and I do think even my work leading up to my kidneys failing, you know, it's all part of you know everything you do is just is just a part of your life. And sure. And um, in fact, I was actually on tour with uh, with a band that I booked um, in in Brazil. I was on tour in August of uh, 2014, and um, it was just like a short, basically a, um, a weekend kind of run, like three shows. And I just was, uh, I just was feeling, I didn't, I was feeling sick. I was just getting sick, uh, and I didn't really know. I thought I was just exhausted from the international travel and. Um, you know, by the time I finally got back to New York, um, uh, it was just more than aware. I mean, it's kind of hard to articulate, um, but I knew it wasn't just like I was exhausted or dehydrated. It was yeah, it was something much, else, right. something much yeah, more. It yeah. was much more extreme. You know, I was like losing my eyesight. My, uh, mm-hmm. it was just. It was a. I was in a very bad place, and and I had no frame of reference as to what was going on. So it Peter, really, it, uh, it didn't really. Uh, I didn't really know what was going on until, you know, after going to the emergency room and like maybe two or three days in ICU. Uh, did they even say like you know it? And after much many much testing, uh, MRIs, MREs, you know, just every imaginable thing. Um, were they like, well, it, you know, it's, it 
just looking like you're your kidneys are failing. You know? So, and, uh, so Peter, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's obviously one thing to feel tired or worn out or not feel right, et cetera, et cetera. It's a whole nother thing. At least I would assume so. Now I, I've never experienced this before, but I would assume it's a whole nother thing when you start losing your vision. I mean, that's yeah. gotta be some, I mean, like what, what is there any way you can explain what that is like? Like were, were um, you were, were yeah, you were you were you definitely. feeling were you feeling so bad that that it didn't phase you when you started losing your vision or was it a gradual thing or were you like holy shit I can't see? It was a but, it was definitely a gradual okay. thing. It was coupled by uh, migraines that uh, you know I wasn't I okay. was I was already feeling like a little like like already before I left on tour like I'm like. Uh, a little like under the weather and I even went to a doctor and, you know, uh, had, um, sort of explained my symptoms and explained that, you know, I've been having these weird migraines and, uh, um, and you know, they kind of tossed some, uh, you know, prescriptions at me and, and said, I mean, you know, if you, you, you can go on this trip if you'd like, you know, it wasn't anything like, you know, right. we might have this, uh, we might think that something could be possibly wrong with your kidneys. Now, I have to preface this by saying, you know, I have no, there's no um, family history of diabetes or kidney failure or okay. anything like that. In All fact, right. I don't even think I knew what dialysis was until I was on it, mm. you know. Um, it was all very shocking, uh, as, as shocking as it was to start these symptoms start to really accelerate. Which do, you was still, like, do you still have a stent? Like in your arm or some somewhere. You know what? Um, in fact, I was uh, I kept a catheter in my chest for twelve months. Wow! So I was so um, you know. Also, I know we might be speaking a language that some people might not understand. Right. But when you're when you go when your kidneys fail, you know your kidneys filter toxins out of your blood. Mm-hmm. They basically clean your blood for you. And uh, when you use the bathroom, they those toxins. Um, are are flushed out of your system. Right. And when these aren't working, um, that you know that still that act still needs to happen, or you right. will die. Right. You know. So uh, dialysis is the process of cleaning your blood out of your system, mm-hmm. um, with whether it's through um, uh, in in your arm or in a catheter, yeah. uh, which is a tube that goes into your heart, or it can be in your groin too. I right. have both. Right. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, fistula is what's put into your arm. Now that too is a difficult thing that takes a while to mature, and you know it's 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 a whole other thing. And uh, I felt like, listen, I'm I'm getting this transplant. Like I'm, this isn't my time to be here. Like I I can right. I can get a transplant. I'm healthy, and I'm gonna stay that way. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they didn't they didn't want me to keep the catheter in, and it has its own challenges with showering and right. uh, managing and but I wrote it out and uh, you know it it actually was still they kept it in me until after my transplant and took it out wow. I, mean, I remember the day they took it out it was like a guy younger than me you know I'm not that old I'm 36 right so right, right. um 
a young guy, like a new guy, came in and took it out. It was just a, it was just a trip. I mean, the whole thing was yeah. mind blowing. So I, so. I, I kind of had a not that exact experience, but uh, I had to take my uh, my son to the emergency room. Who's uh, I don't know. I guess at the time he was four, yeah, or three. Right. And um, the doctor came in and was like, you know, hey, the do- oh no, actually, it was for uh, I, my wife had to go to the emergency room. Uh, so. Uh, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, the doctor will be in. So like, you know, I came in after she had already admitted herself. It wasn't a big deal, but, um, they're like, yeah, you know, the doctor will be here in a second. And this guy walks up and he's got a fucking ponytail. And I'm like, oh, I was like, a, you know, I was like a fucking college kid. He must be like an intern or something. And he's like, Hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so I'm like, all right, where's the real fucking doctor? At? Like you are not, you are at least five years younger than I am. Right. I mean, I'm just like, there's no way this guy is a day over 30, man. It's crazy when, when something like that happens. Right. So. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it, it, uh, it, it definitely makes things even more real and, yeah, and totally. surreal at the same time. It yeah. puts things in such a yeah, strange totally. perspective, you know, totally. So, yeah. uh, so, so Peter, when you, um, when you, when, when they diagnosed you, you basically just did dialysis for, 12 months until you've, you've yeah, found yeah, I mean, and the, you know, it took about, you know, they weren't, I had a biopsy when I was at the hospital and it took them a week for them to even figure out what had happened. And ultimately, yeah, like, that's what I was going to ask. What, what did it end up being the root cause? But basically hypertension. Oh, um, yet shit. at the same time, it's kind of hard to tell because this was something that probably was happening to me without me even really knowing it as far yeah. as my kidneys and uh, my blood pressure was so high by the time I got to the hospital. I mean, it was like in 200s, you know, yeah, um, that, uh, that, that really pushed it over the top. So did that's you have why hu- I was losing my vision and, yeah, and right. uh, you know, my blood pressure was so high that my, uh, that, uh, the, um, uh, uh, what's the, damn, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, my retinas had detached from my eye. So it was just uh, basically like if I looked at light, sunlight or anything like that, it was like just lots of um, big black spots. So, so did you, so you've had high, you had an undiagnosed high blood pressure basically. Is that what was going on or no? Um, You know, I don't think it's even that, although that is that my blood pressure was so high that a lot of damage was done in the process because of that. Um, uh, Now, uh, because when I got to the doctor before I left for tour, um, my blood pressure was at a normal place. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Interesting. Yeah. They, they did my Weird. blood pressure was of no, uh, they made no, there was no mention or even indication that the, that was even a concern. Dang. I do think going and traveling and international travel, uh, had kind of, you know, uh, aggravated things a little bit but there are put a strain some, on you of some sort absolutely yeah. yeah definitely long flights so no sleep multiple flights when we got there now that's not the reason why and there are some unanswered questions i simply won't have the answer to you know gotcha. like and that won't change where i'm at now so it was a very unexpected and unreal uh turn of events that just uh uh, just put me in a place where it was like a world that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was in the hospital for about three weeks and I was with there with a lot of people that were, were very sick. Um, and I don't know if I was 
better off or worse off than some people, but it was definitely a very eye-opening experience. I believe yeah. it. Right. So, yeah, so and then going into dialysis from there, too. It just was, a, it was like being in a world that like I felt very uh, much a part of, but very, very distant from anything else I'd uh, known before. You know? Yeah, and it's the same now and, um, and going forward, right, because that, that, that type of uh, uh, surgery or transplant like that uh, is life changing for the remainder of your life, right? Like you're on uh, yeah. you're on medication for the remainder of your life and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm on immune suppressant meds yeah. uh, and antibacterial meds and 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 possibly uh, blood pressure medicine. Although that still uh, may get phased out, but the anti the immune suppressants I'll be on for the rest of my life. Yeah. So you know you get a transplant, and and I'm a big advocate for transplants. Okay. Um, and and for what I went through, where my my me and my brother weren't a blood type match, but there is a program that if you want to give your uh, an organ, uh, a kidney or a liver or a pancreas or anything like that to a loved one, and um, and you're not a match, there is a way to do that, and then they'll receive one that is a match and a healthy one from a living donor. Right. Uh, so, but yes, it is. It's every day. It's something I deal with. You know, yeah. I, I, I got to take my meds at a certain time and I'm very, um, aware of what I can and can't do, but okay. I can, I can do basically everything, yeah. but I just, you know, I have to be careful about, uh, my diet, of course, yeah. being more vigilant and, uh, dedicated to, you know, just working out, exercise, and not letting um, life and work and the music industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stress me out too much. That's what I was about to say. You you went through all that and you're still working in the music industry. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is wrong you're with crazy, you, man? man? You're sick. You're a sick <laughs> motherfucker, That's man. That's why I, I really need to get checked up about that. You need why to get checked into a mental it? hospital after that. <laughs> like, this motherfucker's still in the music still. industry. Check him in, straight jacket him up. And take me down. That's why. Exactly. You know, I have a lot to prove, too. I, I want to... Uh, I want to do this on my own and I want to try to, uh, there's still things I'd like to do. I mean, um, uh, and it's in, in some ways it's, uh, you know, it's all that I know too, because I, I got started with this, uh, at a very young age, you know, uh, as far as even DJing and stuff like, you know, 12, 13 and DJing on the radio at 15, you know, so it's, it is, who I am, and it's something that gets me going every day too. You know, okay. so, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, so Peter, talk a little bit about that. You're from uh, you're from Virginia originally, right? I am. I'm from Blacksburg, Virginia, originally. Okay. Um, right. And my parents moved to the U.S. Uh, from Hungary, from Budapest, Hungary, in 1969. Wow. So I got one older brother, Attila, and that's and the rest of my relatives all live in Hungary. So, okay. small family, uh, immigrant family. My parents didn't speak English when they came to Blacksburg, you know. Um, and, and why did they uh, come here or there? Why did well, they my mother there? had a cousin that was a professor at Virginia Tech, which oh, was the okay. college there. Yeah, yeah, and um, okay. she was able to get a job at the printing department, like the printing press. And my dad was an airplane mechanic uh, when he moved, to, when, they, when they came here together. And he just started pumping gas. Um, and then he started working on cars at gas stations, and then he started his own business. And for 30 years, he had his own um, auto shop, import car auto shop in Blacksburg called wow. Gabor's Import Car wow. Service. And he's like a very beloved character in that town because he, he fixed a lot of people's cars. Wow. Uh, oh, that's cool. And yeah. a very dedicated uh, um, 
parents. You know, and I, uh, I lost my mother uh, in 2014 as well, and okay. um, that was it was, a, it was a tough year. But they were they definitely put a lot of uh, hard instilled the you know hard work ethic in me for sure. That's what's and, up. Uh, and music even as well. They didn't really get it like uh, completely in the early years uh, in the 80 early, late 80s, early 90s. They were always super supportive of my music and DJing and got me that Gemini starter kick uh, out of the back of the Nice. You know, so at a young age. So I, you know, uh, I really do owe it to them. Uh, see, my mom used to drive me to the radio station when I had my show. Before, this before I even had a driver's license. So uh, oh, that's crazy. I would wow. stay up late and listen to the show, all that stuff. So, yeah. Cool. So um, yeah. B- b- big music family, uh, Peter? Like your mom yeah, and dad? Definitely and records, the- okay. um, yeah, definitely records. Big vinyl family uh just because it was you know family of the 70s so it was uh vinyl for a long time so classical jazz a lot of modern jazz quartet albums that was big oh really Um, okay yeah big big favorite of my dad's and big favorite of mine as well um like yeah some singer songwriter stuff and uh but lots of classical and jazz uh primarily yeah gotcha so so when did hip-hop um implode your brain um i would say like 86 87 um i was still really young but i had an, you know i have an older brother who's eight years older than me and he had uh mm. a grandmaster flash tape now this is you know we live in small town virginia so it wasn't like uh, you know white lines was why he had the tape it was uh um, Grandmaster Flash and Mel. Oh, it was Grandmaster Melly Mel on the Furious Five. Rather, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And uh, so it was. That tape was the very first thing, and then after that, it was just like from '88 on. It was I was like in the driver's seat. So tougher than leather. Mm-hmm. You know the Fat Boys, uh, uh, Nation of Millions, um, Straight Outta Compton, uh, Boogie Down Productions, uh, Three Feet High and Rising. Like and those Black are all just like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, man. Where were you, you buying? Uh, where, where were you buying records and tapes at in Blacksburg? I was buying tapes uh, at the mall, um, and then at the record exchange, which was a chain in Virginia and the Carolinas. Um, which I don't even know if it exists anymore, but they had like twenty Probably shops not. like through yeah. uh, the Mid Atlantic, um, and there was huh. yeah, basically a little shop in town, and I would go there. Yeah, tapes. It was it really started with tapes, and then. Uh, I think the first piece of wax I ever got really was, I mean, the first one I sort of got for hip-hop was On the Strength by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, but it wasn't like, it was almost like, like, uh, by, like, almost by mistake. The first one I really bought with my own money was uh, uh, De La Soul is Dead. Okay. I got that wax gotcha. when it first came out. And, um, and yeah, and I mean, after that, it's just, uh, you know, by 94, I think I was on the radio uh, at WUVT, which is a college station there. Now, how did and, you um, swing that? Well, I discovered, you know, like no one in my school was, there was people, there weren't a lot of hip-hop fans and even fewer, there weren't any heads, you know, but there yeah. were a couple, you know, uh, um, cats that really dug it. And um, uh, so I was, you know, had a little community, but there was a college radio station there. And I think at one, like, middle school, uh, the ra- the, someone just put the radio on. That was the music that we listened to at a party. You know, at a, like, you know, fucking 
12 years old and shit. So, uh, right. and it was the, the, the late night mix show, basically that nine to 12, um, time slot. Oh yeah. Nice and, slot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice right, time right. slot. <laughs> hey Peter, and, how many people uh, were in, uh, how many people were in Blacksburg at, at this time? Cause it sounds kind of similar to my situation in Kentucky. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, you know, Virginia Tech was nowhere near as big as it is now. Right. I mean, uh, uh, this is when Bruce Smith played on on the Hokies and the uh, for football. So I was, was about to say like, this is pre Mike Vick. Way, <laughs> yeah, way before. I, mean, I remember when he came. Well, I was in high school at that point. In time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a different. It was just you know, it was the eighties. It was uh, in the early nineties. It was it was much smaller. Uh, so hold on, uh, hold like on. You're, you're in, you're, you're so in high like school. farming and cows and shit. Yeah. You know? So yeah. you're 14 years old and you have a college, ra- you have a show on college radio at Virginia Tech. What is high school like for you, like for you, dude? <laughs> like, does everybody know that you're on the radio? Yeah, or- yeah, definitely. Okay. Like, well, they caught wind of it pretty, uh, pretty soon. And I don't think I was shy about telling people about it either. Yeah. I mean, I wanted people <laughs> to, yeah. to Um, and yeah, so, uh, from what I remember, I mean, there were haters. There were definitely a couple of haters. In the <laughs> I mix, believe but, it. But as there should be, um, because I knew what I was doing, I knew what I wanted to do, but hey. I was a young guy. So, like, yeah. some of my, my ego might have been, like, you know, equal to that of a young teenager <laughs> and shit. But, yeah. but at the same time, you know, I knew what I liked. I knew, and I started to get a hang of, uh, you know, record labels and playing b-sides and album cuts and stuff i knew what i liked i knew that i liked stuff that wasn't like on commercial radio or right um and i you know i love you on tv raps and rap city so you know some of those sometimes they'd only play one a video once now i'd be like i, I gotta find that whoever that was right, you know right, and right, yeah. so on so um, you were you yeah, were really we kind of having out, the... listen to the show you know like uh bonfires and parties like pickup trucks in up in the mountain there you go uh, <laughs> definitely you know you know it is South, so, you know, so, um, so you, um, so you, you kind of had what, um, a lot of, you had an experience that a lot of folks, um, like us don't have really until they get their, co- until they get to college. Right. I mean, you, right, you were, yeah, were kind of four like or five yeah. I mean, like, you know, cause that, 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 that experience, like, you know, I, I didn't get till I was, you know, 18. Like I, I thought I was hot shit when I hit college and I had a, I had a radio show within, a semester of of hitting you know college like my freshman year of school of uh, of college I was already on college radio usually it took where were two. you at I was at Western Kentucky University so what town was that uh, Bowling Green Kentucky okay gotcha yeah so, so not re- that far from that area right no no, no not, not that far I'm from Kentucky originally so I'm I'm right, from okay, I'm from cool. a really really small town like barely like you know s- so small that you say. You're from the county. You're not from the city, right? So right, I, right. I'm from Glasgow, Kentucky, but you would say, you know, I'm from Barron County, to, like you know, to tell people where you were from. But um, okay. you know, so cool. so I hit college in '95, and I lucked out, and uh, the dorm room that I was staying in was actually the football dorm. Okay. So 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 the first week, the first week of me being in uh, in the dorm. The guy it just so happened that the guy that was our RA, the resident assistant for uh, for the dorm, was the program director at the radio station on campus. Oh, perfect! And so I set my turntables up, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you? Oh, you're DJing the football <laughs> shit, something or another 
to to tomorrow night. I'm like, all right, cool. Oh shit! Then, okay. I, then, then I was on the radio station for you know that it, it was just a wrap. But it, it, it was it, on after that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like pe- people had that story like when they hit college, like not when they're fresh, a freshman in high school, man. Right. Like, <laughs> what did you do, man? Right. You just leapfrogged everybody about like four or five years. I know. Yeah, I look back at that time and it's pretty hilarious because I I, awesome. I taped all my shows too. So listening to them, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of uh, shaking my head now. Like, but, but, you know, what? It, it's funny because a lot of college kids would come up in freestyle, and I was still in high school. And, and um, yeah, it was popping, man. I mean, it was a small town. So I just tried to take advantage of it. It was my thing. You know, uh, uh, I did some sports in school. I ran. I ran track. But a lot of uh, what you either, like, played football, basketball, soccer, or you uh, rode a skateboard, and that was it. You know, right, like it was right. no other options, it seemed like. Yeah. So there were yeah. people didn't play in bands. There was no garage bands. There was no music. Just, if you played music, you played the trombone in the high school band, in the marching right. band. You know, like <laughs> there was no music shit popping off yeah. unless it was at the college radio station. And uh, thankfully, it was like the, the guys that were in school that were the college radio hip hop DJs, they were cool. And they were. Yeah. I think they looked at me a little crazy, but they, they definitely embraced me. They were like, you know, this, he obviously knows like the music, the songs, because mm-hmm. I, I played all the shit. I wasn't playing, uh, you know, I, I tried to really like break records, you know, um, <laughs> in, a, in whatever fashion I could, you know, but, um, and I had a great mentor in a way, which is Do Me Right, you know, who I, I don't know if you guys, you guys may or may know, not know. Oh, him, that's but the connection. I didn't realize that. Absolutely. I mean, I credit him 100%. I mean, there were other DJs, too, that were instrumental. But he was, like, just such a cool, uh, open, and uh, welcoming guy, but also had super great taste. And the thing is, like, I, you know, it didn't take me long to be like, wait, this guy put a record out. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's the first person I ever met, and at, and at such a young age, I was like, this guy put a record out on the same label as Organized Confusion, right? Yeah. And uh, it blew my mind because I was like just really learning what the concept of like record labels and putting out records and like you know just that whole everything about it. And um, so he was at Virginia was, Tech. Like, he was at Virginia Tech at the time. Yeah, it was, okay. was post um, Zimbabwe Legit, which was like, okay. which was uh-huh. his group. And they had a single there, you know, they had the 12 inch there and oh, it was yeah. like, also it was like, you know, this is pre DJ shadow people knowing about oh, yeah, him, but yeah, that yeah. was also the first time I heard DJ shadow too. Cause that was his first time on wax was on Doomy's record. And Doomy's just the guy, he just had that nine to 12 slot yeah. and he freestyled and he was like a pro. And I was like, Whoa, this guy lives in town, like in our <laughs> town. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. crazy so i remember the first hip-hop show i even saw um where usually where he opened up and and quickly i realized there you know there's a newspaper there in town too the collegiate times so <clears throat> just as i hustled on the on the station i tried to i started like um you know sort of following his footsteps because he contributed some freelance reviews for them and so i i you know rustled up the uh a couple little freelance reviews for the collegiate times and the first hip hop show, I think I even went to and I wrote about, which was, uh, his group, that his college group which was called the, uh, the last eight opening up for the roots. 
Mm, and this was ah. um, right when Do You Want More came out, like that oh, week okay. or something. Oh, shit. And uh, it was just like really early. I, it was just, I was just like much younger than everyone. But I was kind of in it, trying to be in it, you know. Um, but you so know, is that where you kid. um is that where you started cutting your uh, your your, your kind of your journalism chops as well? Like is that absolutely okay? Yeah, all right, for sure. Yeah, I was doing re- album reviews and interviews. I interviewed Jay Z. Uh, um, I uh, you know did inter- uh, review like Smith and Wesson's first album you- and like Mike Geronimo, just like the shit of the time, you know right. and. Uh, very much East Coast New York like uh, proponent, of course. You, you know, interviewed Jay Z so, like on the phone or in person or? No, I did a phone interview with Jay Z in my yeah at my parents' house in my bedroom, um, <laughs> and it never even got published. Uh, but I Son did it, bitch. and I got drops and everything. It was like oh wow. I, rem- I remember because it was before Dead Presidents came out, the, uh, the album Jesus. or uh, Reasonable Doubt. Sorry. Uh huh. Um, and the single had come out, and I was so juiced on him because he was on Big L's album. I'm like, because I, I oh, remember yeah. from Original Flavor and right, 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 uh, and all that the, the earlier Why stuff. So but I was shit. like, yeah. this dude Big killed Dad. it on the Big L album. Yeah, and uh, right. I got to talk to him. Um, so yeah, so early chops, but but that was also the beginning of the internet too. So I was mm-hmm. I was building with a community of fellow young rap nerds, you know, on the primitive. Uh, uh, message board website rec.music.hiphop. So oh that's yeah, I remember those days. Part of that too. Yeah. Now, Pete, I gotta ask you before we get off the, the your, your college days, and you weren't even supposed to be in college. Were you right. were you treated as a regular student? Were you able to move around like a like one of the students on the yard, or or were there limitations? Oh, what in on the campus? Yeah, the on, the, on the campus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't mingle much outside of the station. You know, I kind of just kept to myself, really. And and I never, I was hyper uh, protective of telling people how old I was. I'm sure I looked it. I I don't doubt it. I look back at pictures of myself and it's like, you know, I look like a little kid. Right. You know, but I didn't, um, I just kept to myself and tried to take every advantage that they would let me. I would go in there, read, uh, you know, Gavin's and CMJ magazines and hits <laughs> and yep. uh, all that shit and just soaked it all up. And they let me do that. I'd go after school, after high school and go to the station and just fucking look at, uh, you know, I remember when I started getting the privilege to open up the promo packages and it was just like, it just blew my mind. Um, and, and just kept it to that. You know, I wasn't doing gigs. I wasn't really like, the, the DJs definitely showed me love and, and even allowed me to be part of this kind of mobile DJ crew. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know, the son, you know. So, Dude, for a music uh, junkie and for a DJ yeah. and for someone that is thirsting so, uh, so much for that shit. And when you live in a place like a Blacksburg mm-hmm. or you live right. in a place like a Bowling Green or a Glasgow, Kentucky, I mean, like... I had no idea that world existed until I walked into that radio station and I saw a closet full of records. Right. And they were like, nobody's touching these records. If you find something that you that you like, you know, you, you can use it. 
I'm like, oh, right. well, yeah, I'm gonna take it. Is what yeah. I'm gonna do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm yeah. like, hold on, like I can I can DJ on the radio, so I have a place to DJ, and I can get all the music before it comes out. I mean, like, dude, my head was exploding, man. I had no idea there there was. I mean, like, you know, Peter, you you had mentors, kind of mentors to a degree at the station right, right like to a degree yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i walked into this station in bowling green man and i had zero i walked in and they're like yeah there's a but there's a closet of vinyl over there see if, see if there's anything in there that you like and i'm like oh my <laughs> god so wow i mean to, to, so for for someone to have access to promos and kind of like that world man i mean i can't imagine having yeah. access to that world when out like in high school yeah Holy yeah, cow, man. It was crazy. awesome. I mean, especially because it was just, uh, um, it wasn't, I was able to freely kind of learn. It wasn't a competitive thing. It wasn't like, right, right. Uh, for the most part. I mean, eventually it started to get a little bit like that. Um, but in the earliest times, it was really like, I just went in there and just just studied, just looked at records, read um, yeah. one sheets. Uh, when faxes came in, they're like, yeah. you know, the new <laughs> Royal Flush is, uh, is going for ads, you know. Oh, man, like, man, man. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> you got to report this. Yeah. And, um, oh, you so know, just all that stuff, you know, I just, it was exactly what I wanted to do, you know. That's wow. a great time. Um, so you, you didn't end up going to Virginia Tech uh, for school, though, right? No, I stayed uh, one year after high school, and like I went to a community college there for a year, and uh, then I moved to New York City um, from there. And uh, why did and you do that? What's that? Why did you move to New York? I because I got a job. I got a job offer at Sandbox Automatic. I'm not, you guys remember that? Very familiar. Oh, yeah. Talking about that right. today. I, I was I was very lucky. Um, let's see. So uh, let's see. I graduated from high school in '95. Okay. So um, I was very lucky in 1994, the electric board uh, decided to be one of the, I guess, kind of, um, how do you say this? Not forefathers, but just very progressive minded. And we actually had internet in 93 in the middle of rural Kentucky, like, like, right. like cable internet, right? right so right. got a computer, I'm like 17, internet turns on. And I find Sandbox Automatic, and I'm like, I'm like buying Mountain Brothers, Paper Chase, fucking, uh, you know, Company Flows, the 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 fucking uh, the, the the double clear, um, right, 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 Fun all, dude, yeah, Fun Crusher, yeah, exactly, the Fun Crusher EP, all that shit, like super, super early on. So about the time, like right before I went to college, we got the internet at home, and my freaking again my brain freaking exploded because all of a sudden like oh i don't have to call fat beats or i don't have to call upstairs records in new york anymore and have people play the you know play the records over the phone for me so (laughs) but you know i peter i didn't realize that you worked at sandbox automatic until i started doing the prep for this interview i don't know how i missed that or or, well i mean i wasn't like there was no i wasn't on the website or uh i know so how did uh, that happen how did that happen well, I started um, buying records from Ed- Edward Wong uh, when he first started the when it just first started Sandbox when it was just him out of his NYU dorm and he was 
going around and, and flipping used records on his site. Before they sold new stuff, he was selling used joints. Oh, okay, so I, I remember uh, very vividly buying edutainment, BDP edutainment all waxed from him. And just, you know, just being like, this is fucking amazing. Like, mm-hmm. All right. this is like my favorite album. That was like my favorite album then. And it was just like, I got it. And then he was just this guy on, on an email. And it was like probably one of the first people I ever emailed. You know, I was still using my mom's email account. You know, <laughs> Of course. Old. About records. You know? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of uh, tape trading and record buying, like just with my mom's email and, you know, bless her, 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 she allowed me occasionally on the credit card, you know, just was <laughs> like, that's what, it, you know, that's what it was. And, um, wow. uh, we started a dialogue, um, and I just followed the site. I loved it. I was, uh, it was the first online music retailer period, you know, yeah. that I'm aware of, yeah. uh, of any genre. Oh, you I think can, period? What's that? You think period? You think period like I think that was... First, I think first, not like... Uh, I mean, there were many others and many great ones. I mean, Hip Hop Site was not far behind Sandbox whatever, whatsoever, right. but I do think... I do feel like... Now, I could, I could completely be wrong because I wasn't tracking down other genres of music, but, but the model seems so uh, rudimentary and archaic that it just seemed like he was just... Uh, it was just something he was coming up on on his own. Definitely like on for hip hop, though, it was the first. It had to have been the first. I agree with you. I believe that. Yeah, I mean, there were yeah. two sites that I went to every day when I woke up. First thing in the morning, I go to the computer and I look at hieroglyphics. The hieroglyphics web- website run by right. Stink or Stinky, right, or, right. right? And then I'd go to Sandbox Automatic. That was it. Those two sites right. every day. Look, looking yeah. for looking for an update. So I asked him for a job, and he was <laughs> like, "Sure, you know, you can." come up you know I, you know this is uh i'd already you know i've been doing the radio show for for a while now at this time like i continued to do it after high school and uh i you know i had developed a good amount of contacts and stuff i mean i had even started writing for herb magazine while i still lived in blacksburg you know oh, really? 97 96 97 okay um reviewing 12 inches that i would buy from you know, upstairs records and Beat Street and calling right. Fat Beats and calling, um, uh, yeah, Ryan Sikorsky when he worked at Fat Beats when it, when it was where it was Bobito's footwork. Right, right, right. So all that, those early seminal years of that whole scene, you know, like many guys, I was, uh, people, you know, I was um, calling and just trying to find shit. You know, it just wasn't really that available for independent records. So right. I was just like, Man, like I, I'd love to work up there. You know, if you'd be willing to hire me, um, you know, I, you know, I, all I have is the experience of what I, what I've done down here. And him and his mom were generous enough because she kind of, she kind of was working there as well at the time, and they gave me a job. They paid me like a couple hundred bucks a week under the table, and uh, nice. I moved up there and <laughs> took it. And it was for a brief period of time, but uh, yeah. But it was like basically for a summer uh, or gotcha. four months or so, okay. and uh, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, that was in '98, '97, gotcha. actually. And then um, you and you then, you headed to Portland, right? Portland, Oregon. Then I moved. Yeah, then I moved out west after that. But okay. that time in New York was like really impactful because it was because I basically just went around to record labels and picked up orders, stock that we would then ship out, and I would. Box, box up all the 12 inches and LPs and and then walk them from 
uh, the location of their office, which is right by Madison Square Garden, over to this giant post office, like three or four blocks away, and in this big ass cart every day with like you know 50 boxes of, of the new uh, you know uh, Guess Wild 12 inch, right. and uh, you know <laughs> any number of uh, Raw Shack, you know yeah. uh, Rockets or Fondalum and yeah. uh, Hiro and so on. You know? Yeah, nice. dope. So what did you do when you got out to uh, when you got out to school in Portland? So yeah, so I went yeah I went to Portland and went to film school um, and wanted to kind of do something new with like this involved with music. So I wanted to you know make documentary films about hip hop basically. So I took a lot of other classes and stuff, but I um, you know. Uh, sort of in a very similar way to the radio station, like found the promoter in town and was, his name was Ron. And this dude had a company called live and direct production. So people who live in Portland or in the Northwest will absolutely know who this dude was. Cause he was kind of the Don of the scene, like a big, big dude, very cool. And if he's out there, I want to send him a, you know, a big shout because uh, I haven't seen him in many years, but he was like, yeah, sure, man. Like, you know, come and, uh, I'm like, I'm working on a documentary. Can I film these shows? And I went and filmed like from, for the year, from 1999 to 2000, just filmed everything, you know, uh, all of the seminal West coast underground stuff that was happening at the time, but as well as Hyro and the coup, black delicious, uh, living legends, but also like when Eminem and the beat nuts were on tour or, uh, you know, just oh. a ton of stuff. And then, getting interviews and that's when I kind of came up with this Culturama thing from that. So were you DJing out West or no? Not, I mean, I did a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I was still digging and collecting and writing, uh, but I wasn't really pursuing DJing. Like I didn't have that kind gotcha. of like club DJing in my repertoire at that time. Like it was just coming out of radio and it wasn't like, I didn't have an outlet like radio there. So I just right. focused more on writing for magazines and filming stuff. And, gotcha. uh, you know, just kind of like, yeah, formulating my opinion and, and trying to find my voice as a writer, as a, as a journalist. Right. Um, and, uh, and then I was there for a few years and then I moved to California, to Northern California, to Arcata, California, where I went to school at Humboldt state university. Gotcha. And, um, that's so, so, when I really got more back into actually uh, DJing, like club DJing, DJing for for uh, hip hop artists and going on tour and that type of thing. Sort of came sort of full circle a few years later. Peter, did you ever get to sell Culturama T-shirts at Sandbox? I did. Uh, yeah, I sold a few. Yeah, a couple more hand to hand. They didn't really pick up. You know, I thought I was seeing. Cairo and uh, any number of the small labels kind of get their get their shirts off. I'm like, man, I gotta try to get, get some shirts <laughs> off, you know. And uh, I made some, but uh, it was definitely way more on the hand to hand level. Yeah, I never yeah. had my like distro like super down, you know. But yeah, right, right, right. I definitely made some. There are some. They're mostly in Northern California, though. Right. All right. <laughs> Got That's it. And in my basement here in Brooklyn. All right. So what was the premise with Culturama? You you just had all this video footage and you were like, I, I got to do something with this? Or what was the... Yeah, I mean, at the at the time, I, I just was like, I, I really want to make a feature-length documentary about, like, hip-hop, about just hip underground hip-hop, 
You know, it was uh, I was a student and uh, follower of it, and I felt like I was developing a voice. So I wanted to make a, a feature film, um, you know, interviewing people and just live shows, just the whole thing. You know, there was a moment in time when there was kind of like a, those were starting to, there was a few major ones like the show, of course, Def Jam's The Show, uh, Rhyme, and, Rhyme or Reason, Rhyme mm-hmm. and Reason, Rhyme or Reason, yeah. I think that's what it was. And some of those, and they were cool. Like for commercial artists, it was cool. I just felt like there was another story to tell. Um, so I amassed a lot of footage, but it just couldn't, it was just not something I could get. It just got out of control with just filming. It's too much stuff and not enough time or just mental ability to wrap my head around it yeah. so um and at this time it was you know the late 90s um 99 really and i was seeing especially at sandbox i saw this a lot there would be a lot of single video vhs promos and, mm-hmm. and as a as a you know devout um uh student of uh and faithful follower of yom tv raps you know and rap city um, I was, I love videos. I came up on videos really yeah. like many people that taping them. I have many tapes still of those of the eighties. Um, and, uh, I was like, man, I never even knew they made a video for this song or this song or this artist did one, this independent thing. So, I, at that point in time, I was like, I'm just going to start seeking out these videos cause you can't find them anywhere, but there's people are right. still making them and there's no outlet at all. Because uh, at this, it was like the height of the Jakey era at that time. There was no video from Hyro or Mr. Complex or anyone like that was getting played, unless it was on regional cable access. Yeah, I felt no like. YouTube, right? So video wasn't on the internet no yet. No YouTube and no streaming thing Anything. that was yeah. nothing. Nothing. But they were still being produced. It's like it's like just have to make an easy video. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was like an instinctual <laughs> thing with hip hop. You know, you, you just got to make a video, yep. you know, got to do it. That's what we do. And um, so for that time, uh, I started uh, piecing together uh, parts of the footage I shot, freestyles and live things and uh, uh, little clips here and there with these uh, independent underground uh, music videos that were, you know, made either by the artists themselves or by young, uh, you know, student directors or, you know, in Canada, many great music videos are funded by the government. So there was always a lot of Canadian videos on the Culturama tapes. But it basically started in Portland, and I continued to do it from 1999 until probably like 2007. So, yeah, so definitely kept that going. I did seven volumes in total. Yeah, and towards the end of that, you kind of ended up doing – like the film festival circuit as well, yeah. right or no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it just, um, I think I just wanted to, yeah, pursue it like that, you know, even just set it up where it was It was like, okay, I'm getting a good response from these and people are buying them and peeping them out, but it was still, you know, pre-YouTube uh, and there was really no outlet, so it was just like, let's try to, you know, get some people together in a theater or in a club or what have you, and uh, or in a at a festival, and I ended up really kind of setting up some pretty great, very memorable uh, 
film festivals because I was coming from a film school background where there was lots of independent film festivals, short film right. festivals in, in Portland, Oregon. And my brother Attila, he was making a lot of independent films at that time and, and putting on some small film festivals. I'm like, I, we can do this with hip hop videos. Right. You know, like, right. why not? It's dope. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I want to see like a video in a theater. You know, like, why not? It's just going to be banging in a big system in right. the theater and like, oh yeah, know. Dolby and all that shit. Hell even yeah. if, even if it's not coded encoded for Dolby, it's still going to sound live in there. What's that shit? Oh yeah. THX. It doesn't matter if it's like off the VHS <laughs> dub. I mean, we've just got to turn the volume up. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it might have a little hiss, but that's all part that's of cool. what makes it great. In my yeah. yeah. Well, I want to, I want to take the time to say thank you for putting prophetics on volume yeah, five. I, was just gonna I don't say, even oh, know. Yeah. I don't no even question. know if I knew that. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten about and that. That one actually. looks good. That one looks really great. Still to this day, it's just a uh, super high quality video. That's still like we got it fresh off that master. And yeah, so I appreciate you guys being down and and, uh, and sliding to me. It's a banging song too. I, in the in the video with it, it's one that like you know it just gives the the song a whole new life when you can watch it like absolutely know, as a video. Yeah, we had a lot of fun oh, doing man, that. Oh man, that that poor guy that, that did cool. that video uh Matt what Matt was Hutchinson. Name? Matt Hutchinson. Yeah. He, is he did he eventually like you know, do well in life and move past these little bullshit no, videos. I don't, I don't think so. I think he got married and had a kid, so he did not do well <laughs> he in did life. Not do well. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> nah, but uh, I think I think Matt is. Uh, I think he's still here, man. I just um, he's I not just still have, a Turner, is he? Nah, I'm. He might be. He uh, might okay. be. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Turner, but uh, yeah, but but some people. Uh, continue to make the cut, but uh, man, I've yeah, forgotten Matt, about that. I he really totally looked forgotten. out for us on that one. Yeah, that was, no yeah, how many videos did you guys do? Any other videos besides that one? No, nah, that, was it. that was it. I mean, wow, I've done, I've one. done, I've done some solo videos, but okay, you know, just speaking on on videos, like and and like you said, it's kind of instinctual or whatever for you. You yeah. as hip hop, we shoot videos. Right. I like, like. Okay, the gotcha video that was that was fresh, that was new, that was exciting. This is the first video. Well, we actually got somebody that's that's willing to take the time to 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 stand out here in downtown Atlanta with you know thousands of dollars of equipment, and we write <laughs> we write in homeless thug central in downtown so, Atlanta. So, it's like so this is awesome. You got you to gotta remember, I know where you're going with this, yeah. but you got to remember, man, when we did that video, a lot people did not have access to the shit that we had access to for this video, right? So doing yeah, a video back then was still a pretty fucking remarkable No, that's thing. what I'm saying. It was right, big. Exactly. It was right. big because... Right, it was a big deal. Yeah, we shot, we shot street footage and uh, a couple of different <laughs> times. But the illest shit was the green screen at, <laughs> at Georgia, Georgia State, State yeah. at Georgia State University, like an official room. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, are we really about to do this? I'm like, yeah, it was the coolest shit ever. You know what I'm saying? And and after that, you know, and, and I still, you know, to this day right now, you know, you know, somebody we'll we'll do a new song or whatever. Man, when y'all gonna shoot the video? And I just don't see it. Just don't move me like that. You know what I mean? Because it's like even yeah. though we put a lot into that prophetics video to say that it did something for us, 
I can't really say well, that it, 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 it. We did get played on the BET. That I mean, it made dope. the BET, okay. but that was off. Of, that was off of our work. It wasn't like BET reached out to us. No, and was I, like, I know, hey, I can know. you send us that I'm video? I, I, I mean, know. nah. I so, so Peter, but Me- Meeks and I had this conversation at least I don't know a couple times a month about videos today, right? And right. and actually, how much of an impact a video today because there's so much content and it still takes, I mean, it still takes pretty much the same amount of work to do a video as it did even 10 years ago. I mean, some like, you know, some, some, some nerd would, would like debate me on that, but I, I know what it takes to make a video, to shoot a video, to edit Edit. a video. Like I, we're familiar with that process just because it's cheaper to do a video now doesn't mean that it takes less time. So, so so, at least in in my opinion, in in Meek's opinion too. Mm -hmm. But so I guess the question is now is how impactful are videos Given the the churn of content today, man, it's it's really kind of a perplexing thing. It's it's really, it, I don't know what you see from the artists that that you know you represent. I mean, I know you're talking about you know touring and you know things like that, and it might little sure. be a little bit different. Uh, maybe with Dame, you might have a little bit of a different perspective, and you know he's on a whole different level anyway, right. but. I'm curious about what your perspective, or I think we both are. I think that's where you were. Yeah, going that's where I was going. Like, is, is it is it something that you're seeing that is still a a, a good tool to use? Is is I mean, because you got to think about it by today's standards, there's really no outlets for videos. I mean, yeah, you got um you got the internet, and you can you can throw up content at will via the internet. But when right. you when you bring up a uh, uh, making it to BET and and sending it to VH1 and MTV. It's like th- those days are pretty much over, correct? Yeah, I agree with that sentiment for sure. I do think to to a degree, yeah, those days are over. But I also see that there's more, a lot more video content than there ever was uh, because uh, because YouTube and and Vimeo, I guess to a degree, are such a open platform that anyone can just do anything. Yes, it takes the same amount of time, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But that kind of unparalleled access just makes it so like some artists only put their songs out as videos only, you know, like in the, in the actual song itself is like an afterthought. Right. So right, yeah. it's like uh, some, there is something about it that sort of, you know, the art of it in a way maybe a little tarnished in that like um depending on how you know how much i don't know like depending on how serious you 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 take it as an art form but like you know ultimately it is was intended to be like a promotional tool you know um but i think that uh, you know you almost just have to kind of do it for yourself you know, mm-hmm. if, if, uh, um, but it is, I will say this, I will agree with you on that. It is perplexing and that like, um, uh, is there any value there? I mean, it, can people appreciate a song without a video? You know, like, do you, does it kind of take a song like to the next level in a way or, or can the listener understand or comprehend a song more, um, if it's given to them as a music video, right? Like, we're kind of, you know, the public now is is being spoon fed so much material that it's like, 
like even their imaginations have been sort of compromised because there's so many videos, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, exactly. Yes. I'm glad you said that. And and that's the other thing too, is that the expectation level is so high, right? That, that, that even mediocre artists can have a very high production value video. Right. So, so, so when you, when you, when you have a kind of, you know, quote unquote, run of the mill video, like, you know, for, for for whatever it may be, you know, it, it's. I think people are so uh, um so used to seeing some incredible, unbelievable shit. Like not just in music videos, but in, in movies and like you know everything that like it would really right. take a phenomenal fucking video to like the the last video that I can remember that I've seen lately. And not that I watch a lot of videos, but I thought uh, the video that Kendrick did for All Right. That mm-hmm. shit was dope. Yeah. That shit was, was that shit was fucking fly. That's the last video that I remember that actually made an impression on my feeble thirty eight year old, thirty nine mm-hmm. year old brain. Yeah, but right. I I don't I don't know of another video since then like in, that's that's like made an impact. Like, and that how, brings me like, to this question, Peter. Like, do right. you having having directed a few videos? We talking about people like Soleil. Lexicon, Jig Masters, uh, featuring Sadat X. Do you, uh, the way that it's it's so easy to do a video these days, is there even the 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 proper protocol in place? Like, do you do you know video directors these days? You know what I mean? Like, or are these kids just whipping their iPhones out and yeah, that's true, and and taking footage, you know, and just and this is my video, you know, yeah. it's like. It's like right. is the even is is the proper chain even in place these days for videos? Well, you know what there there is, but I think it is. There's definitely two like very distinct worlds. Like I saw a friend earlier today who's been making music videos for uh, a long time. In fact, we did that. Her name's Wendy Morgan, and we we did that um, Jig Masses and Sadat X video together. Now we shot that mm. on film, 16 millimeter film in, in August of 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week she's actually here in town doing a video for the RZA and Paul Banks, their new album, which I don't even know the name of. Oh yeah. They have a new time. project out. Yeah. I, the single, yeah, they have a the new single project and them, they're yeah. doing an album, uh, uh, a music video this week. And it's, you know, a big production. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that it's like, it's so funny. This, Industries still exist. There's still labels spending, you know, a healthy budget on a very professionally produced video with cast and crew extras and locations. And, and there's cats that are just whipping out the phone and going on the street <laughs> right. or, or in their living room yeah. and ultimately making the same thing, you know, because uh, it's just going to a song. So, you know, who has, who's making the bigger impact? And, you know, it's really the question, but it's, uh, but I definitely don't think or see videos ever ceasing up. In fact, we've become so video driven. It's like, it's like more prevalent than it ever was. Right. And it's kind of a trip to even think back to the days of Culturama where it was like, where it was like, yeah, man, videos are played. Like, you know, like, 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 you know. There was even a backlash in hip-hop where it was like, you know, like anti-music videos were, you know, a theme in people's songs and stuff, you know, like, and, and now it's just, 
people just ingest music on YouTube, like even right. listening to songs that don't have videos on YouTube, you know, so... And the lyric videos, trip, right? Yeah, the I lyric, lyric videos. Lyric videos, yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, my, and my I kids remember are big with, with on Culturama, that. you know, like, I really had to seek those videos out and track them down. And um, and I've seen a lot of those ones that I, uh, that I had gotten for the Masters and, and uh, edited together um, be taken and put individually on YouTube and stuff, which is dope because it, right. it shows that, that that period of time when there was no YouTube, there was still a great, it was more our thing, and now it's really like everyone's thing, you know, which is cool. Um, but, you know, for certain, you know, the, the kind of cool thing about that scene at least coming up was it was like, it always felt like, you know, really had to work pretty hard to accomplish anything to get heard or seen. Now it's it takes a lot less effort, but everyone's doing it. So you still are that struggle still remains. You know, like right. you know to be seen and heard. You know, right. but so yeah, I don't know if that really answered it, but it, it it's almost know. like an unanswerable question. You know, like because yeah. um, you know uh, you still the video still matters. It just matters in a very different way yeah right? i guess it depends on who's doing it you know who the artist is um you know right. uh, budget. what what contacts they have to to yeah. move this thing around i guess yeah. all that comes into play always yeah 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 because it is a business at the end of the day you Correct. know like anyone i could put up a video and and not tell anyone and no one ever see it um but if <laughs> yeah. with the right you know uh plan in place and the right contacts and people involved uh, you never know like who or how it could be seen and where it could go you yeah. know so gotcha yeah. so uh, so peter how did um how did female fun come about was that kind of like um that was towards the end or during you doing the culturama thing or how it was like during yeah that? it was at the same time i mean it was yeah. i was i'd probably done the the second or third one or the third one of culturama around the time that I started doing Female Fun. So to people that don't know, you know, Female Fun Records was a label that I ran um, in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, uh, um, that I started in California uh, while I was in college. And um, it really because of this small distribution company called Six Months Distribution, which uh, was mm -hmm. run by the guys that did the Anticon label. So they were buddies of mine. From, from before Anticon even existed, and they were like, listen, uh, particularly Soul, uh, Tim Holland, he was like, listen, man, I want to, if you have any ideas for a label, let me know, and, you know, I can, we can do some limited stuff, you know. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, I want to do, uh, I have this great idea. Let me, like, try to see if I can hook it up. And um, that was uh, MF Doom's Special Herbs. Mm, so right. and that was the first record I did. Nice. Um, which um, hell of a first record. <laughs> yeah, it came out the gate pretty hard with that, which yeah. I'm happy about. And it was, uh, you know, the label has always been a, a small boutique thing. I've never been try. I never really tried to make it too much bigger than what it was. You know, uh, um, and those those early records were really like the the ones that I loved the most because they were just wax and we only did a, we didn't press a bunch and uh, they all sold out and yeah but i love that one and that was a great time and i can remember vividly getting that first box of them it was the first record i ever put out and uh, just opening up it was like 50 
of the special herbs and just being like, wow, man, this is that's just addictive, ain't it? <laughs> I remember the first time we got a drop shipment at my house for uh for larger the life, as a matter of fact. Um guy showed up in a freight truck with uh ten thousand <laughs> CDs, five thousand cassettes, and he just wow. dropped a pallet what? in my driveway, and I was like, This is Crazy, getting ready to go hard. Hell yeah! I was like, how am, go I go, how am I going to get this shit in the house? <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, but yeah, that man, but uh, that that first, yeah, that first box you get to crack open, yeah, that that's addictive, man. That is addictive. Now, is yeah, that how you knew feeling. DJ uh, was was reaching out to DJ for Doom, uh, Peter, or did you know DJ before that, or you know, um. I was, you know, coming into this conversation, I was trying to remember exactly the first time I uh, talked to DJ, who at that time, uh, you know, in those early years of Female Fun, he was both like a great um, supporter, but just like a great friend too. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to right, talk to him yeah. all the time. And um, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but if he's out there, if he listens, or if you guys are still cool with him, or, you know, that's my man, and I'd yeah. send him a lot of, a lot of love too, because he was. Always just a genuinely great person, no and a, a great connector of no people, doubt. which I yeah. like to try to do myself. So I talked to uh, um, I talked to DJ earlier this year. He's still good. He just laying low. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, it was I was like many people. I was a huge fan of both Candy, of Candy, of course. I mean, from the singles and the videos, I was you know, and uh, when. Uh, Zevla Vex was on Third Bases album. Mm-hmm. I've just always been a, a great fan. I had the Black Bastards like dub, and I had a bootleg white label of it like when I was still in high school. And um, I was just, you know, the guy's biggest fan, as as many people were. So when Operation Doomsday came out, I was just like, this is fucking amazing. Yep. This shit is amazing. Right, right. You know, like, this is dope. It's hard. It's got that rugged, cool G rap thing that he does so yep. well and yeah. it's so the samples are just so incredible you know like it's like uh this i never heard anything like just like that kind of marriage of of samples and 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 that persona and the amazing lyrics you know just everything the total package um from Fondalum. um and i was like uh, when I, you know, through DJ, I was able to talk to, uh, get introduced to Doom, and I was just like, man, I'd love to put out an instrumental album of Operation Doomsday. And um, I think our conversation quickly just was like, oh, we should do something, like, different. And I remember specifically being like, you know, I love the, the, the beats on the album, but some of the interludes, too, are just, like, incredible. So... Uh, there's so much to to be heard in it, and I think within the course of probably our first or second conversation, Doom and I kind of came up with this idea for special herbs, um, or it was at the time originally it was called special herbs and spices, if I'm not mistaken. That was the original name right. mm-hmm. uh, yep. for the very first one, and then even quickly from there, we were like, let's you know uh, do a series, you know. And the first one came out, and it was great. It was a it was a fun, great time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was very early on in like the second wave of MF Doom. You know, I think those the Fondalum era was a very specific era. You know, right. um, 
And then I think Special Herbs, when it came out, Female Fun was this was really was like a bridge into uh, a lot of other stuff. Now he, you know, obviously he had that uh, split EP with MF Grimm on right. Brick, which was right around the same time, and, and other stuff too, Monster Island's ours and stuff. And right. but I, but I, I think people really liked that Special Herbs, you know, obviously um, because many more that came out on other labels yeah. that I, I was wasn't affiliated with. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, that's when Doom yeah. was plotting. That's when Doom was plotting. That's when he was getting the King, uh, the King Geeter shit together. Yeah. And um, right. that's when he was. I mean, I I remember being being with him and him talking about like you know I, we're getting ready to drop like three albums in yeah. twelve months and we're yeah. gonna fuck everything up. Yeah. So this is like right right, right before that. This is pre Mad Villainy and everything, right, Peter? Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, definitely yeah. before Mad Villainy. Yeah. 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 Peter, yeah, what was yeah, up? it was an exciting time. It was we talked a lot, and you know, uh, it was when he was living in Atlanta. You know, I, I'm pretty sure, or bouncing back and forth at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know yeah. what? I will say this: the female phone definitely wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Count Base D. You know, and I was just I got about to ask finish. you about that. Yeah, that's my man. A uh, uh, hundred grand, like, and I've been, a, and that's another guy I was introduced to at the station because um, I didn't know his music un, until I saw the single for. Sandwiches and T Bods try to talk to me. Uh-huh. There you know go. I mean, yes, early shit. Yep. And, Pop um, yeah. And uh, when I worked at Sandbox, I saw a copy of uh, Art for Sale on SpongeBath Records yep. uh, on a CD that was like almost in like this promo pile that wasn't on sale. And I was like, oh shit, I love I love Pre Life Crisis. You know, let me check this out. And I was just I was blown away. And I remain blown away by that release. It, Art for Sale I think was it's, like, crazy. His, some of his greatest work. Absolutely. You know? It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, the, the material he's coming up with. It's yep. just awesome. Yeah, know? man. So I was like, I want, I originally, I wanted to put that out. Like, I was like, I want to put this out on wax, you know, like this has to be on oh. vinyl, you know, like, huh. and it didn't really pan out for one reason or another. But I remember in my first kind of, I talked to him somehow we talked and I was like, it was so early on, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just figuring it all out, you know. <laughs> um, and I was like, listen, I got this label. It's called Popsicle Records. I want you to, because that was like the, my first name for the label. I got all this these ideas, and I really want to do art for sale. And he's like, well, listen, man, like, you know, I can't, I wish I could do Count's voice. I mean, he has such a distinct voice, yeah. too. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, He's like, you should probably like check on that that name because it's probably trademarked. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> what, what, what's trademarked? The uh, the popsicle. popsicle, yeah, popsicle, yeah, which is like a brand, like Band Aid. I think he even used Band Aid as a reference. Okay, like I remember he put me on game like right then and there, and I was like, dude, you know what? Like, yeah, like. That's the move. I'm not going to do that. Okay. You know, like, not, you know so quickly nice thought count. of something that was right. in that concept because I wanted it to be like a certain stylistically look a certain way. Uh-huh. I don't know if I necessarily accomplished that, like what my original idea was, but then it just came to female fun and it was a whole story came along with that. Just like, you know, it was like records that, uh, that, you know, you could put on like in a club or in a, in, in any kind of setting that like, um, you know, that the ladies would appreciate. Right. So, and, and if the ladies are appreciating, then everybody's happy, you yeah. know, like not just 
records for dudes because then that would be pretty one-sided. So that was kind of the initial concepts with it all. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Definitely. Yeah. You had a pretty yeah, good run sure. with Female Fun, too, but you put out a lot of records, man, in a pretty short amount of time. At least I thought you did. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I'm looking at it right now because I was like, I got to fucking remember uh, all the records that I did right. during this time because it was a, you know, hyper-productive period, and it was all, like, kind of with different um, companies and different people, and it was just a very fruitful time. It was basically 2001 to 2005 is like the first phase because that was all done when I was living in California. So it was all like, you know, of course the doom and then Spinner was the next thing compositions two, Yeah. Um, and, and which is probably my favorite one I think I ever did. I mean, just a incredible, uh, EP of just amazing instrumental productions from them. And then the Jay Rawls album, which another slept on yeah, one great record. catalog. Yeah. And uh, yeah, lots of stuff, man. What about really Cadence? Uh, what about Raw Produce? Yeah, what about Raw Produce, um, Peter? How, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you know those guys? Well, um, I of, of course was familiar with their records from for a long time before, and you know, like they had right. done some singles on their own. Yeah. So I was a fan of those, just from that era when you when you know I, when people were just buying every twelve inch that was coming out. Right, you know, that right. era of hip hop. Yeah. And they were prevalent during that time. They're from Massachusetts. Uh, and um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how Seth Boyd and I got to, together. That was Cadence, Cade. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Cade Money. Cade Money. <laughs> the man. And um, I, somehow we got connected. And I, you know, I think I reached out to him. I just was, um, uh, I knew that they had this, album it was done and it was supposed to come out on through something else honestly i think it was supposed to come out on brick mm. and i don't think oh. for some reason it came out i could be wrong cause this was a while ago now but um we just got to talking and i was like this is it's an amazing album if people haven't haven't heard of it i mean it's been a while but for like jazz influenced sound samples right. and, and just like a soulful groove oriented very thoughtful approach to hip-hop um, I would definitely seek it out. Raw produce, produce, the feeling of now is the record. Um, great record, definitely. And, yeah, great record. Um, it came out on wax and CD, and we did a couple singles off of it. And he, God rest his soul, he was an amazing guy and just a, a genuine spirit and uh, just a cool, uh, great guy. He just yeah. wanted to make music and put out music. That like, broke that my like, heart, man, when I heard about that. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tough deal. Hey, Peter, yeah, did and, you? And um, that was, you know, we we were able to connect, and then I saw put him in touch with my uh, with different people with Doomy from from you know my original mentor from the radio and mm-hmm. DJ Fisher, and and I saw them all do a bunch of projects together and do different stuff and connect with other people down the line. So that yeah. was uh, uh, always very cool. So, so yeah. you were the connection with Doomy and Cadence to DJ and Day by Day and Domination and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, okay. I put them all in all right. DJ. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense now. Peter, did yeah, you... Um, hey, did he, was, he was putting out so much stuff. I'm like, oh, you, you know, you should check out. These dudes are all talented, you know, and just one after another, yeah, they all collaborated. That's what's up. Peter, did you play a role in the um, the shift of the 
special herb series uh, shifting over to nature sounds or, or how did that come about? Um, I mean, I don't know if I, how much I played a role in it. I mean, now uh, I did the third one, but they ended up doing the like the second one. There was like kind of like a weird crossover, but you know, Devin is a friend of mine and uh, a good dude, and he had a you know he had a bigger infrastructure than what I was able to do. I was just running my label out of my bedroom, you know, okay. so. I couldn't really offer a lot. So it was just sort of almost like a, a natural progression, you okay. know, that like um, Doom went over to to uh, doing uh, more of those projects um, over at Nature Sounds and, and at the time High Times Records, which right. was basically one and the same. Right. And, and then, but, you know, he also did Shaman Works and, with, and some other ones too with Special Herbs. So, um yeah, he definitely. It was a the spirit of a freelancer, you know. Uh, okay. He was and, he was uh, he was Wu Tanging the indie hip hop game, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just As I just person. feel uh, grateful to have worked with him in any magnitude. We had it was a, no it was a great little period of time, and and even with Devin, like we we I remember going to D and D studios with Devin and Doom when they did uh, the this uh, my special ladies, my favorite ladies. Oh. And I was there at that session, and yeah, it's all love, like you know. Um, uh, but basically, that that special urge was my baby, my first record, and we came up with that concept together. And then it, you know, it took flight and, and came out in a lot of other ways, and it's all good. Though. Okay, are you seeing any um, any kickbacks, uh, maybe in the form of yen from femalefunmusic.com? Um, have you been? To, have you been to female? I wish I was, man. But somehow uh, that one got housed by some company that, uh, and I, I can't even read uh, what's right. on that website anymore. Um, but uh, that's uh, hilarious, by the way. Uh, but yeah, not, no kickbacks. Whoever housed my old URL, you know, must be, you know, pimping something out. Man, um, they owe you some money, Playboy. I'm telling. I'm, I'm saying, if anyone's out there, uh, you know, that may know the whereabouts of, of the wherever the revenue is going from female fun music, please let me know. Man, I definitely didn't see much of anything. Yeah, uh, we need we need that. <laughs> so, so but, Peter, what what did you do after um uh, kind of after female fun? Did you end up just kind of wrapping that up, or just kind of wanted to shift gears? I, I think you eventually ended up moving back to New York. Yeah, well, yeah, Female Fun continued on. I mean, basically that was a big part of, of going of moving back to the East Coast and back to New York City um, is that uh, with the success from some of those, that, that first phase of the label um, was able to get a distribution deal um, with a company called Studio Distribution in New York. And, K7, um, same, uh, uh, same guys, all that, or no? Is that different? Say not, that again? Not, not, uh, not Studio K7 and... It is the same people. It is yep. okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At the time, it was uh, the studio distribution part was run by a guy named Dave Watkins. Um, K Seven, you know, he continues to exist. In fact, like with Dame Funk, uh, who I work with, um, you know, we just released the DJ Kicks uh, title on K Seven. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Week, That's dope. Yeah, yeah, dope. Um, which is kind of funny, but but yeah. it's, it's definitely sort of two different factions. 
studio okay. was a, a short-lived distribution company, if you will, um, that was based in New York City that had a bunch of different labels, and I was able to hop on board pretty much at the tail end of their existence. So, um, and I think, you know, they, they brought on a lot of stuff all at once, and that kind of toppled that company because they eventually filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and mm. left uh, a lot of labels, mine included, and myself hanging very hard and never getting any kind of residual, any kind of, you know, payment or anything. But right. beyond that, I was able to do a couple really great records I'm very proud of. One was Prince Paul Instrumental, which is a fantastic instrumental vocal kind of uh, project with Prince Paul. Um, right. It's the .x experience in education. Yeah. Um, and geology plays geology. So I did three joints with them, and uh, that was basically it. You know, and then I then I had a couple other releases. Uh, so Dot X last uh, uh, Black October was basically the last album I put out, and then I had a 45 label called Colt 45 as well. So um, you you pretty much still uh, remain pretty close with geology today, right? Yeah, that's my man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's incredibly talented. Uh, guy, he lives in my neighborhood here in Brooklyn. We live like three blocks apart from each other. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's cool. Touch. Um, he nice. did all the layout and design for the Dame Funk DJ Kicks, which drops May 27th. Will be oh, available everywhere oh. from there. Yeah, he's an incredible visual artist. If anyone's familiar with his music, awesome producer. Uh, worked with Black Star and um, yeah, he did like the body Bay rock, rock artwork and all that, right? What's that? Did he do Body Rock, the the twelve inch for did, uh, Body Rock, and he did the art. He did the cover for Body Rock. Yeah, produced by right. Sean J. Period. But right, but the art. Um, he did a lot of great. Yeah, um, and his his mentor and partner in artwork was Matt Dew, the right. late Matt Dew, uh, right. um, who did, of course did the organized confusion, extension yeah, uh, agenda album yeah. cover, and yeah. uh, Fun Crusher plus album cover from CoFlow, and a lot of other great right. stuff. Right. Yeah, very talented, slept on artist, uh, Geology. But yeah, so, yeah, we did a great record. Geology plays Geology. It was only full length, so worth seeking out. Lots of instrumental grooves in that joint. Um, so, so, so when yeah. you got back to, when you got to, uh, back to New York, you, you did a few releases and you kind of wrapped the label up? Like, what, what, what did you get into after that? Like, what was your next thing? I mean, I wish I could say I wrapped it up, like, kind of, like, in a neat way. But, I, you know, the industry just... It just like it fucked me, man, and I had to right. be I had to be up out of there. I was right. like, I can't. I'm I, I'm never gonna run a label again. This is bullshit. Wow. I'm out. Like yeah. I just was scorned, you know, and left hanging. And I thought I was gonna make a living, and I just got fucked. So I had to be yeah. like, I'm. I have to seek other employment, you know. So yeah. it, it put it definitely left me in a weird place, but. Um, uh, but I'm happy with the records that came out for sure, and I hope Cats can revisit it and, and check them out. And uh, you know, there are some sleepers in there for sure. Um, can you get them that, digitally, Peter, or no? Other employment in music, though. Can you get those digitally? You have, you have all the female fun stuff up online, or um, not no? all of them? But you okay. can get um, uh, most of all the albums are definitely available, um, the full links. Um, but okay, there good. is like a lot of smaller things some singles and some compilations and stuff but yeah the essential catalog is, is definitely out there and like you know you can go on discogs too if you really want to go 
look. There's some inexpensive ones. Nothing's too crazy to find. And um, and I got a couple things still here at the crib. You know, like um, I kept held on to stuff for sure. But so, nothing. You know, a lot of these things were only pressed like you know a thousand copies here. Right. You know, nothing was. It was really not until studio that we really started going for big numbers, but right. it was it, it never meant it never really needed to be like that, you know. It, it right. always was meant to be a, a small thing, you know. Right, right. So, um, so, so after you, um, you know, female fund, you know, didn't work out, or you know, however it was, you kind of had to transition from from that. That's when right. you got into kind of the booking world i mean you you were throwing a lot of shows i believe in new york if if uh if the internet served me right um is that, is, is that is that kind of when you got into kind of the touring and the booking world or yeah i had been i had been on some tours myself like uh on the west coast and, and by the way i appreciate your um research you know like obviously i don't do a lot of interviews because it's not like i'm not the one uh, you know, uh, putting out the records and stuff. So it, I got to sure. tell you, it's cool to do this, and I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, good. First. Okay. Uh, awesome. Good. Um, yeah. So. All right. Um, yeah. After the label, yeah. I mean, I've been uh, an independent promoter the whole time. Like, since I moved to California, I was, I was booking and putting on shows and DJing on shows. So it was, it, by that time, I was very well-versed in that. So I was... Um, you know, do for a while. I did a, a, a lot of bookings at this small club in uh, in Brooklyn called Triple Crown. So it was a lot of DJ things. Uh, Pete Rock, Lord Finesse, um, you know, the Awesome Two, Spinna, a lot of you know, Premier, a lot of cats. That was like very early on. Um, but in the meantime, before I really got like really invested in it, I was. Uh, I basically moved over to a magazine and helped run a magazine for about a year or two called Reup Magazine, which was oh, yeah. like a yeah music art um, yeah, kind of mag. It was, was yeah. kind of multifaceted. Yeah. So yeah, I was a, I was a, like the general like op, like operating manager of the magazine. Um, so yeah, and I did like the bulk of the writing and ad selling. And uh, and with a great guy named Josh Lynn, who's still here in Brooklyn now. But yeah, it was hmm. uh, yeah, just fucking you know, working my ass off as, as always. But um, so was that kind of the pit stop I, before you got into got got into working for the booking agencies or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically, I was um, after like that. You know, like every you know facet of the industry, things change and shut down, and that magazine had to had to close its doors. You know, print game was changing and it was too expensive to continue running a print magazine you right. know so uh we shut it down and then uh once again i had to start uh, thinking of a new line of work you know by this time i had done just about everything too i mean i had uh even recently um like during that time i was i was basically a production assistant on on sets for tv and commercials like just to make extra yeah. money Okay. So I even had worked at, uh, on, some people may remember the Ego Trips, the White Rapper show that was on VH1. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like a, a reality that, yeah. show based on, like, you know, challenges. And it was hilarious. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but I worked on that whole show from start to finish. 
You know, I started a, name? I started a, a, a conversation <laughs> with Ego Trip on Twitter. I asked them when they were going to do the old rapper show <laughs> so, I could, that, so I could participate. Be, this might be the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be a bad time to start really uh, putting that one together. Hell but, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> that show, but the white rapper show was pretty hilarious. Oh, uh, it was, you know, just. Man, I'm gonna tell you between what was that kid's name, Shamrock, or uh, yeah, something like that. Between the White Rapper Show and <laughs> and uh, Diddy's the band when he had the, right. the rap group, that was just right, great right. television programming, man. That was like, and 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 they probably didn't mean for them to be sitcoms, but they ended up being like sitcoms. Oh, totally. Oh yeah, I think the White Rapper Show was absolutely intended to. Make people laugh. That they, they were clowning. Those oh kids, my god! You know, they knew they knew what they were getting themselves into, but they were <laughs> taking. They also were. There was some very, you know, it was a serious hip hop show. Yeah, but they, you know, they nah, set it was them real. Up, though. It was real. Like, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, just looking real. at um, just looking at your roster over there at the agency, man. Um, we're talking about uh, the cool uh, Dame right. Funk. Uh, mm-hmm. People under the stairs, uh, just to just to name a few. Will Pretty Sessions, impressive. yeah. Are there any? Um, are y'all looking to bring any other new artists into the fold, or are y'all pretty much uh, full to the brim over there? Well, you know what, I'm always down to uh, listen to anything, um, uh, any kind of new artist. Um, you know, again, it is just me, so I'm trying not to. Uh, spread myself too thin, and but I but I, I take on stuff. Uh, it all depends, but I keep it real with anyone that asks me that. Um, if it's not a good fit for me, then I'll I'll tell them. But I I would always like to try to direct someone in the right way, or give them some advice, or 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 just uh, give them my opinion of the music, or try to be productive about it. You know, yeah. I, um, as a independent, you know, self-employed person, I just want to be. Uh, progressive and, and, and constructive with building with people and never try to like be like, you know, dismissive of someone's work if yeah. I don't really, if it's not my thing. Right. So um, I'm, I'm into peeping stuff out. And, and if it's, if it looks like it's something that works as a fit for me, then I'll be down to take it on. If not, then, you know, it's all love, but, um, but uh, I, I, I definitely stay busy. I'll tell you that. Okay. Sure. So, so um, Peter, what are you going to do? With, what are you doing with well sessions? Like specifically, like what's the, um, Kind of what's the market or the approach or demographic with with him and the band? What are you guys well, trying to do um, there? Thankfully, like I just found out some new info on Will Sessions, so you ask at a good time because they've been kind of uh, just uh, um, local for a minute. We we've done a handful of shows, but you know these guys are seasoned session um, right. Uh, musicians in Detroit. So they make their bread and butter in Detroit. Like they don't leave Detroit that often. Um, as much as I'd love to, to, I I want and need to get them out more. Um, but they do have some projects coming out. Like, I'm not sure if I'm liable to, to talk about that yet myself, because it's not really my place, but I know they just finished a great album and they're about to line up, uh, a deal, um, to get, uh, for a new label that they're working on as well. Um, but extremely talented people, and um, yeah, really I don't know what it is players. about those guys. There's just something about about that that thing there that feels like it's gonna be something, and I can't really put my finger on it. But it, there's just something. There's a feeling that I have about those guys 
That, Absolutely, um, I agree. There's a, like, like a kind of a sharing. I mean, I yeah. can't wait to really start working it. You know, like because uh, yeah. uh, we've only done a handful of things, but the time is coming. I, I definitely think it's going to be this year that they'll start really being able to get out. But it's a big ensemble, and you know, they're all family men too. So we got to take right. things kind of slowly and decisively. Right. But if people here, uh, you know, people that are listening, if they ever have the opportunity to catch them, I would strongly advise it because it's not like they're not road dogs, you know. know. So if you can see them, like, by all means, yeah. see them. Like, Absolutely. they're dope. They're, they're very smart yeah. musicians, you know. Yeah. So what are you doing with Dame right now, Peter? Like, what's he's, he's got, you know, the DJ Kicks is coming out. And, like, I, I was listening to, um, uh, I guess there was a uh, an episode of Shots Fired with, with Dame, and I think you were there. I was there. Yeah, I tried to play the back because it wasn't. I, you know, I was just with happened to be with him when we did that. So, yeah. So, so one of the things uh, that I thought was kind of cool that, that he was talking about was basically kind of prepping everyone for the next level or the next evolution of Dame, and they're like, "Look, you know, we we've done this, you know." modern funk boogie you know whatever label you want to put to it you know but right. we're about to do some new shit so so or right. some different shit or expand or whatever you want to call it so i mean can you speak on that or oh, yeah sure I'd love okay to. yeah okay yeah well you know dame is a extremely unique and uh you know his talent is unparalleled just because he really started sort of like many people do like as a bedroom producer but you know he doesn't come from a hip-hop background and he doesn't really come from like a like an r&b or gospel background but he has this sort of mix of spiritual yeah like you know edgier kind of music it's it's a, it's a very unique approach that I, I haven't really seen with any other artists that i've worked with and I've worked with many, many people at this point in time. But he and I have worked together for, for several years now. I think we first started working together in 2008 and basically been uh, have talked every single day since then. Cause it's, yeah, you it's guys are pretty tight, right? Stuff. You guys are pretty tight. With that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's like my brother. You know, okay. like he's uh, – uh, um, I definitely look up to him. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of his music, but also, you know, he's like my business partner too. So um, uh, we can definitely keep it uh, extra real with each other. Um, but I do think he is in an incredible place because, you know, like we said in that podcast on Jeff Weiss, the great Jeff Weiss's Shots yeah. Fired, also No Can Do, shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, that last year was really, 2015 was really the year funk broke, I think, between Uptown Funk and this cottage industry of, like, boutique uh, sort of, you know, quote-unquote modern funk labels and even the term modern funk becoming, you know, in the lexicon of music, people are using that. That's a name that he came, basically, Dame put that together. Even Boogie is something he sort of, like, pioneered, you know. Now that... that, uh, is become a, a very, you know, well-known and used term to boogie and modern funk. So, um, and there's a lot of great inventive producers and performers coming out of that. <coughs> I think Dame now is in a place where it's, it's just about creating great music. It isn't about if it's modern funk or if it's 
boogie or 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 anything really. He's just really growing uh, and about to, uh, you know, we have the DJ kicks coming out. He's obviously, a, a, you know, a great DJ and uh, has a wealth of knowledge as a record collector and many has broken, even in recent years, broken records, you know, rediscover records that have become right. quite popular. I mean, Starshine is, is, a, is a big one. And you just look at some of the records he did and then sort of, even though I hate to reference discogs like that, you know, a lot of those records now are very expensive simply because of that. Right. Um, that were otherwise just like, you know, uh, readily available. But not to sway too far off what you were what you were saying. I mean, yeah, he's about to um, embark on a new label. He has his own label. The the debut release of that is, is called Night Funk. It's his collaborative release with the L.A. Uh, bass singer Ramona Gonzalez with, and Cole, which is the engineer and, and performer in that group, too, hmm. um, from Night Jewel. Uh, so yeah. their debut release comes out July 1st on Glide Zone as the premiere uh, release on that label. So this is his uh, first. Um, this is his first release, um, 100% kind of independent, like his own deal, or yeah, absolutely. Okay, interesting. Yeah, first release, and there'll be more to come for sure. Um, and just you know, a uh, lot of other things too. You know, uh, uh, this past weekend in New York, we debuted the first. Um, uh, show of he has a radio show, monthly radio show for Red Bull Music Academy uh, that'll run the third Friday of every month. Um, not to plug another uh, thing like that on. No, on, please on do. Podcast. No, 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 please do. Absolutely, yeah, that's what it's about here. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm producing it too, so I've, I've, I arrange oh, all the guests and the inter- and he's doing these kind of casual talks with some amazing legends in music, you know, Patrick Adams, uh, Leroy Burgess, uh, Francois Kaborkian, who was the master of many of the, the uh, mix and master of a lot of the records on Prelude Records. And right. um, even my man Geology uh, uh, was a part of it. So those are all forthcoming. Um, and, you know, we were just in the studio with Mac Miller two nights ago and did a, a you know, I saw that. album. Yeah. What's up with that? And, that was very random, man. I, uh, we were doing an interview with Vice, and um, at the end of the interview, the writer was like, oh, man, I just told Mac that uh, you were in town. I guess that's his homie. And um, and I said, well, listen, like, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on today, but, you know, uh, I guess Mac had, had expressed interest in wanting to try to see if he would be down to do something. Yeah, that's and, worth that's worth making room in the calendar for probably. <laughs> right, and it was, and it just ended up happening. We we we, had, we did our radio show and, uh, and uh, went out to dinner, and dude hit me up, and like uh, we just were like, all right, well, let's just hop in the cab and see what what he's talking about. Dope. And we went up to Premier Studios on West Forty Eighth Street, basically in Times Square. Um, and, uh, you know, these like great Times Square recording studios where, you know, like quad and, and like these places yeah. where like mm-hmm. a lot of the classic New York stuff was yeah, recorded. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, banged out a joint. I mean, it took a while. It was one of those, I hadn't been in the studio at three o'clock in the morning in a long time like yeah. that, but, right. uh, um, but they came up with something pretty cool, pretty interesting and, and very much of the moment improvised and, uh, yet, like, focused, and that's what Dame is, is impeccable at. I mean, he, he he doesn't read music, but the guy can play, like, uh, incredible, solvable yeah. melodies yeah. And, and lines, leads. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, you know, we got that and a lot of other things just like, you know, coming up. It's definitely a daily um, operation for sure. Well, yo, tell, for me, tell Dame, I said big ups for, for shouting out Count not too long ago. Uh, no doubt. That that oh. was that was pretty big. And then for, for Snoop to jump on, you know, right after that oh, was, man. that was I crazy. That, yeah. Yeah, Count was, was ha- Count was having a hell of a day that day. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Count was on freaking well, 10,000. You know, I love 000. Count Basie, man. I mean, people, I mean, obviously, like, you know, your listenership, I'm sure, is very familiar with him. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, what a, an inventive, you know, creative guy. Like, you know, you, you got to support his music. Big time. Get it, you know? Big time. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> That's Hell crazy. Yeah. All right. So, right. so, so, um, so, so Dame has a new album out this year outside of DJ Kicks or no? That's right, July. Uh, July. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think okay. so. We'll okay. see. Definitely, uh, it could definitely be <clears throat> in the fall. Um, but uh, I don't want to put any dates on it yet. But I mean, no, yeah, definitely fine. getting that's getting fine. close to it. I mean, he has a wealth of material, and um, the plan is to he, he will possibly have another album of his original material from his bedroom recordings in the early '90s. You know, so oh, nice. okay. some, some really cool stuff is definitely close to being. Uh, announced. That's he's still yeah, stone store, right? A lot. And uh, a lot of touring and, and just, uh, yeah, he's definitely staying busy with a lot of projects. Go ahead, I, what were you saying? I was asking, he's on, is he still stone throw or um, he's doing his own thing, completely doing his own thing right now? No, absolutely, Ty. Yeah, that's Sam. I mean, that, that's, uh, I wouldn't be working with Dame if it wasn't for Wolf. You know, like, okay. <clears throat> he initially, when I when I first heard his uh, music, you know, I reached out to Wolf and I was like, this dude's amazing. Like, is there, can you connect us somehow? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, less than a year ago, he, you know, put out his, uh, you know, a big record with Stone Show and, uh, called Invite the Light, you know, his sophomore album, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, there's definitely still very much like a family unit. Um, I just think Dame was, he's just in a place where, you know, just experimenting with some other projects too, you know, like, uh, um, just, just mixing things up a little bit. Yeah. But it's always a family affair for sure. And, and, uh, a lot of love and, you know, supporting Stone Throw during their 20th anniversary this year. And right. they'll definitely be part of the yeah. game. will definitely be part of, uh, some of those events like later in the year too. And, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the output Dame has had through Stone Throw, in the last 10 years, I mean, has been, um, uh, you know, uh, amazing, you know, some incredible material that the world has heard through, you know, Wolf's, uh, you know, impeccable taste too. He, he's got a, a, an incredible ear. Yeah. Right. No hey, uh, Hey, Peter, b- b- before we wrap this up, um, I, I, I do have to ask you one question and actually maybe two, now that I think about it. One okay. is, one is, is uh, I saw a picture on your Instagram feed with Giorgio Moroder. Right. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Because yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a pretty incredible experience. <laughs> yeah, I experience. opened up for him uh, at a club here in Brooklyn called Output. <clears throat> um, How did that happen? Uh, I got to book gigs for myself, too, sometimes, you know? So uh, it was basically that. First and foremost, right? Thanksgiving Brown, goddammit. Yeah, Thanksgiving Brown, which, uh, yeah, that's my my performance name. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, reached out. And um, it's funny because when uh, when I reached out, I was like, yeah, this sounds great. You know, promoter, 
his agent wants to hear a mix, though. And I'm like, okay, uh, well, shit. I'm like, I don't really have a ability to to really make a mix of my crib. You know, I'm still very analog. So I uh, even attempted to do a mix on a tape here at the crib, uh, which I hadn't done in a long-ass time, you know, a mix onto cassette. And it, like, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I was able to um, get another gig uh, before that, which was to open up for RGD2, uh, Brooklyn Bull. Mm. So, and that was a one-hour set. Um, so I just went in there and murdered it. I just shut shit down. And I re- <laughs> and before beforehand, I had them, uh, you know, uh, take a line out of the board and record my set um, from the board. And I had to pay for it out of my little, very small uh, performance fee. And But I got a, a nice MP3, you know, a quality line-out recording, one track of my mix opening up for RGB2. So I was able to quickly go back to the promoter and be like, okay, here's this mix I got, um, <laughs> which is live from the show. And I'm like, so that my set will be something like this. And that's what was able to confirm that gig. And uh, amazingly. And I got a chance to, to chat and hang out with uh, Giorgio... Uh, for the show and he was very gracious and actually was the one that wanted to take the photo I, I didn't want to blow up his spot but he's like let's take a photo uh, that's dope. I was like, let's do this man like it yeah. was amazing yeah um, that's cool I, I love hearing cool. shit like that that's dope man yeah yeah it was great and it's a treat you know I don't get a lot I don't get a, to do enough gigs I, I, I love to DJ and I, and I try to put on a show and I really love doing it all wax I mean both shows were, were all wax so, um, uh-huh. yeah, it was um, very memorable, for sure. All right. So the other one is, and I, I've always wondered this, and this might be a stretch, and this may be, this may be a little bit of a stretch. But okay. um, I don't know what the timing was, but um, DJ Drama's name at one point was Mr. Thanksgiving. Mm. Right. Yeah. And when he came out with that, I believe that I knew that Thanksgiving Brown already existed. And I was okay. a little I was a little miffed. I was a little miffed, Meeks, when I, I saw believe it. it. I believe it. I was, I was too, Meeks. <laughs> you were too? <laughs> I believe it. I believe these things y'all are telling me, man. But But, yeah, yeah, I can see all of this. Okay, right. that, I, I was I didn't really understand because um, I mean my name is you know it's a little tongue in cheek it's not like you know a real like serious name but it is mine right. and I and yeah. I own it it's, I own up to it you know it's me um, and I yeah. rhyme under that too I mean I, I I have a lot of songs I don't put those out or anything but for fun and kick you know I've been rhyming for years and doing albums and everything and. Um, so people definitely know, the people that know me, you know, typically know that name. So when I saw that, I was like, <clears throat> how the fuck is he going to be doing that? Like, like, but, uh, well, I mean, that's the know, same way, that's the same way you get the feds running up in your shit. Just, just taking folks shit and putting it out like it's yours. Yeah. I, send the feds over there, Peter. <laughs> well, you know, I don't see him using it uh, uh, nowadays. Yeah, so he, he's he's pretty quiet these days. I will I will right. give him that. So yeah, maybe that's the end of that beef right there. 
might be. <laughs> that's funny that you brought that up. Though. Oh, that's really oh, good dude, one. That's, that, that, that's that, off the back wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 for whatever reason, that has occupied a space in my brain for a number of years, and now I finally get to let it go. <laughs> I'd love to think that he, somewhere in some town or somewhere, someone said my name and he was just like, oh, that shit sounds dope, man. I'm just going to fight that. No one's going to no know who this cat is. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe one day I'll run. Uh, we don't run in the same circles, though. Yeah. So, but yeah. One of these days. Well, yeah. I, let me say that I think that's exactly how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, Peter. Well, hey, we've taken enough of your time. Um, we could talk literally for four hours. There's so much shit that we didn't cover, man. Just because. I know, because I could start interviewing you guys like quite easily. Too, oh, yeah, this, yeah. But... Oh, dude, there's so many. I mean, the, the, the prep for this was... Uh, there's so much we left out, so maybe we'll have a part two or something like that. Um, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'd be happy to do it at any time. Yeah. I have one quick question, though. So for you, John, did you, is Asylum Entertainment, who started that label? Is that yours or was that oh. Eddie's? Or did you guys do that together back, all the way back? Nah, that's, uh, that's, that's going back to, um, to some music you probably never heard. That's going back to when I was in the five-man crew. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we were Asylum Entertainment Group International, um, straight out of Smyrna, GA. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was something we came up. Uh, that's actually my face on the logo of Asylum, and um, really, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was uh, that was our our first jump off into this whole thing, and that's Dumb. where Larger Than Life came from. And uh, the the Insane Circle was the initial group. Like I said, it was five man crew. Uh, Mellow Melanin was in that crew with me, um, but oh, cool. yeah, we just recently had a resurgence. Um, Thanks to the new art form known as random rap. Um, ah, yeah. Yeah, Chopped Herring put out our unreleased uh, group material as Insane Circle. So uh, that stuff finally saw the light of day. But uh, yeah, Asylum was initially five guys here in the Cobb County, Metro Atlanta area. Yeah. And, uh, and we did everything out, out, of, the, out of the crib, um, dubbing tapes. Labeling oh. tapes ourselves, uh, going to various studios and trying to put uh, material together, and yeah, that was uh, that was all us, man. Yeah, way way cool. before uh, way way before Jay Grand and uh, Warner Brothers and Asylum and yeah. all that over there. <laughs> right, 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 by, right. By the way, I like it. By the way, yeah, that's what's <laughs> up. Thanks, thanks, man. No problem. Yeah, you guys just uh, shout out to you guys for just holding it down. I mean, <clears throat> you guys have been. Uh, a big part of that scene in that area for a long time and, no and producing great records and, and just like connecting with good artists. So it, I, I was happy to see, uh, you know, you guys doing it on this level too. Yeah. And I love the Lord Finesse one. So that was, that was okay. dope, man. I love uh, to dope. see more artists come to you guys. You guys are great, uh, great interviewers. So, you know, you oh, got a good you. chemistry, man. Thank um, you, man. We appreciate thank that. Thank you. We, we, we just, uh, we just kind of hit reset on the whole shit, man. You know, like I, I, I took a little time out from the music shit and, uh, uh Meeks is, is, uh, one of the few people that actually kept plugging away at it. And then, um, I don't know, man, for whatever reason, I just woke up one day and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to my college radio shit. And, 
that's what we did, and somehow we ended up here. So yeah. I said, you know, I, like it, I said, Meeks, I'm doing this every Sunday night. If you want to come, cool. If you don't, then I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, he showed up for the second one and has been on ever since. Ever so, since, man, exactly coming good. up on two so, years. And actually, real quick, I want to say a bit, give a huge shout out to the homie Coop from HDZ, of HDZ fame. No doubt. And a number of other things. But, Peter, that's who sent me that ad that I posted on, that female fun ad that I posted on Instagram. Oh, that, shit. That connected us. <laughs> yeah. Right? So Where, what, That was from Elemental? Yeah, that was. I think it was from Elemental or one of those magazines, one of those random kind of indie you know, hip hop yeah. rap magazines. That was then. the tour, the one with the the tour dates. Uh, yes, <laughs> I believe so. Yes, yeah, that yes. was a special one because that that was like I, I, you know, I I bought that ad and you know back in the day, and that was for a tour that never happened. But it was uh, when you know it was like right at the it was end of doom uh, with um, Quali, right or something Chris like Lowe. that. Oh no, okay, Dulio and Chris Lowe. That's right. Okay. Yeah, but it was a tour that never happened. It was supposed to. It was booked, but uh, Talib Kweli had another tour that he asked Doom to go on after we had done this one, and uh, basically just went and did that one instead. So that one just got scrapped, but there was one print ad that went out, which was the one you sent me a picture for. Ah. Um, And uh, classic, um, you know, from the foible from female fun era you know yeah, absolutely so, uh, hey peter real quick yeah. that uh that brooklyn proved to be too much for elemental um i know you know what i i wonder that because they were they just stopped suddenly yeah. quickly i never heard from them since yeah um <clears throat> and i wrote a lot for them i wrote a lot of covers for those guys definitely several covers for that magazine and uh you know what? They were really good guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first moved to New York, they were like, hey, man, you know, it takes a couple of years to get situated here, but, you know, just, you got this. And, yeah. uh, and lo and behold, like a couple of years later, they were like, uh, yeah, we're out of here. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah. I thought someone might have, you know, would uh, was going to bring them, re, you know, reemerge the magazine somewhere, but uh, I don't know. I guess it was. I mean, it is. It's an expensive place, uh, and it's a tough Absolutely. place um, yeah. at times. But yeah. um, they had a good good thing for a little while. They but uh, you know, magazines right. and they're yeah, yeah. they're not easy. Yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. Well, yo, uh, we once again we appreciate it, man. And we might have to take you up on that interview offer at some point. Yeah, uh, somebody, yeah, we should do that. Somebody yeah, was talking to, to me. Uh, uh, turn the tables one for one of these episodes. Yeah, some somebody was talking to me today that we should be. Uh, me and John should be yeah. interviewing ourselves, and I'm just <laughs> like, man, don't nobody want to hear that shit. But uh, but if we bring you into the fold, that might yeah, that might, might end happen. up being something, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got a, I think I got a good handle on uh, on how to do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would be fun to <clears throat> research some of the old stuff too, some of your older material, and, and I w- I'd love to hear some of John's uh, yeah. um, early early college radio tapes oh man oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah we got some good stories to tell man let's do it there, it's, it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah. eventually cool yeah, the show. cool P- cool. peter you, you gonna be down south anytime soon or no um, maybe with dame are you, you know guys what? going um, on tour or what? uh not not anything planned but uh if the next time i come to Atlanta, i'll definitely reach out to you guys man right. it's been do. like two two three years for me so since okay. the last okay. time i was there but right. yeah cool. i'd love to connect with you guys down there and it's All been right, forever cool. since dame has been 
in Atlanta too. So it's it's long overdue, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just gotta gotta get it figured all out. Dame would right pop off scenario. down here too. That'd be, yeah. that'd be a great show down here. Yep. People would bug out if Dame was here. That'd be good. That'd if be we can help good. out with that. Let us yeah, know. We gotta Peter. figure that out. Yep. Oh, cool. Very cool. Good to know. Hell yeah. yeah. Dope, dope. All right. So, Peter, is there anywhere they can go to? Like, where do they need to go to find out about what's important in your world? Uh, is, is there a um, website? You know or? what? Like, uh, you can you can hit me up on my email. That's Peter at agostinagency.com. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, eventually there will be a website that's up, um, you know, but, uh, right now, you know, I'm just kind of keeping things in the background, you know, uh, right. um, the best, yeah, the best way is to just get at me, you know, like, um, and, and take it from there, you know, uh, right. and, uh, yeah, you know, that's about it. You know, All I'm right. not, not too in, in people's faces about it. And, uh, I've been doing it long enough where I got a good momentum, but I'm always down to build. Um, with anybody, you know, so, uh, yeah, for sure. And I, and definitely love the, the new podcast kind of, uh, phase that we're, we're seeing, that seeing some nice creative ways to kind of revisit music and stuff too. Absolutely. So that's, so that's, that's dope too. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that, no that doing that too. And y'all make sure y'all holler at Culturama on IG. That's right. Yeah. That's the best way. Yeah. For anything. Yeah. Just get at me that way. I got a, I have a couple other things, but yeah, Culturama, C-U-L-T-U-R- AMA on the Instagram, but uh, yeah, yeah, some treats but, up there, you know, Definitely. some treats up there. And yeah, Dame sure. Funk, Dame Funk, DJ Kicks album is out this week, actually. So by the time you hear this interview, um, it would have been out. It, it will guaranteed be a great joint to ride to on Memorial Day weekend. I'm no gonna doubt. be, I'm gonna be bumping that Absolutely. shit on, over Memorial Day weekend. Absolutely, no doubt. no doubt. All right, cool. Yeah, man. Peter, hold yeah, sure. hold tight, Peter. We're gonna wrap this up. Southern Vanguard Radio, DJ John Doe. Cappuccino Meeks. Behind the scenes, stories are always the best. Always and the always best. they're always the best interviewees. Yeah, man. And the best interviews because these are the motherfuckers that actually soak it in and remember it all. Yep. And are coherent <laughs> enough to regurgitate it back to the public. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love that. That's why these interviews always end up going extra long because mm-hmm. these are the people that like are in the trenches and yep. really care. Yeah. And have a real passion for the art form. Hell yeah, so, they know that shit for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. all right. So the Vanguard Radio, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. SouthernVanguard.com. Yep. Leave the U out. Every Tuesday, every Thursday, the best podcast you haven't heard of yet. Yep. You can also find us on ATLHipHop.com. That's right. Uh, WRBB, Return of the Boom Bap Radio. I Am Classic Hip Hop Radio. Uh, and Soul Public Radio. You got it. Yeah, man. More affiliates and distribution to come. Yep. All right. Stay Southern tuned. Southern Vanguard Radio. We're out, y'all. Peace. Peace. Peace.